Well, it looks like the Irish found their starting quarterback for the 2024 season, and it's a familiar face. Former Duke quarterback Riley Leonard is projected to join the Irish, according to multiple reports, and we have a little bit more insight into Chancey Stuckey's departure. That's all coming up in today's edition of Locked on Irish. You are Locked on Irish, your daily podcast on the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What's going on? And welcome into Locked On Irish, your daily Notre Dame podcast. Today is Thursday, November 30th, and thank you for making this your first listen of the day. I'm Tyler Wojak, and I'm the host. I'm a Notre Dame alum and producer covering college football for Fox Sports. And we've got a lot to get into today. Wednesday was yet another jam packed news day around the Notre Dame football program, but the big headline is that Duke quarterback Riley Leonard officially entered his name in the transfer portal, and the Irish are the clear favorites to land him. And when I say clear favorites, it sounds like a done deal already. Literally the moment he put his name into the transfer portal, it seemed like every single beat writer and every single national insider followed up the news with, quote, Notre Dame is the top target or the Irish are in great position or something to that effect. As my good buddy Charlie pointed out in a group chat, it was like watching Woger Shams tweet out picks without actually tweeting out the picks on NBA draft night. Then, like, Five different writers for 24-7 sports put in a crystal ball that predicted Riley Leonard will end up picking Notre Dame. So outside of Riley announcing it on the steps of the Golden Dome, this seems about as sure of a bet as there possibly is. Also in today's show, I'm going to be joined by John Bryce from Football Scoop and Irish Illustrated to talk more about Chancey Stuckey and that whole situation because John was the first to report the story and he was as shocked as anyone, which I thought was a little bit surprising. Um, I spent the entire 30 minutes of yesterday's episode sharing my thoughts on the whole Chancey Stuckey thing, but it was interesting to hear John's perspective considering how close he is to the story. Then John and I discussed Notre Dame's approach to the transfer portal, and we actually taped our discussion right before the news broke that Riley Leonard was officially in the portal. But you'll find out that John clearly knew things or where things were trending, and uh, you'll understand once we get to that point. Also, not long after we taped, wide receiver Tobias Merriweather officially entered his name in the transfer portal, which is something we both saw coming and referenced as well. Um, For those of you watching on YouTube, you'll notice that John's video quality was lagging quite a bit, so I apologize for that. We tried to fix it, but nothing was really working. But the good thing is, the audio sounds just fine for the most part. So if you're listening to the podcast, you probably won't even notice the technical difficulties uh, that we encountered. But before we bring in John, I just wanted to share my initial reaction to the Leonard news. If you've been listening to the show all season long, and in particular going back to the episodes leading up to Notre Dame's game against Duke, you'll know that I'm not completely sold on Riley Leonard as a top-tier quarterback. He's clearly an elite athlete. Um, That's the first thing you notice when you watch his tape. Plus, he's a big dude. He's listed at 6'4", 212 pounds, and he's got a really strong arm. But from what I've seen, I think he can be pretty inaccurate throwing the football, and we saw that in the game against Notre Dame. He finished 12 of 27 for 134 passing yards, a touchdown, and an interception. But he also added 88 yards on the ground on 13 carries, but two of those were sacks. So we did see his effectiveness as a runner, but we saw some of the things that he struggles with as a thrower down the field. As you know, from watching that game, uh, seriously hurt his ankle on their final drive when Howard Cross sacked him and forced the game ceiling fumble. That pretty much wiped out the rest of the season for Leonard, even though he tried to come back and play against Louisville and Florida State. So despite his really hot start to the season, his stats for 2023 aren't great because his season effectively ended at the beginning of October. He finished the season with um, about 1,100 passing yards, a 57.6 completion percentage, three touchdowns to three interceptions. So if you're just looking at that, you're like, 
why would Notre Dame want this guy? But Leonard's 2022 season was extremely impressive. He was much more accurate throwing the ball uh, as he completed 63.9% of his passes for nearly 3,000 yards and 20 touchdowns. Plus, he was Duke's leading rusher that season with 699 yards on the ground and 13 rushing touchdowns. And that is the reason why Notre Dame went after him so hard and why so many people in the NFL circles think that he can be a really good player at the next level. Personally, I thought the Irish would look to Will Howard from Kansas State to be their next quarterback because I think that Will Howard has a higher floor than Riley Leonard. But clearly, based on every measurable imaginable, Leonard was the, or Leonard has the highest ceiling, excuse me, and right now he projects to be one of, if not the most coveted quarterbacks in the transfer cycle. So that would make two years in a row that Notre Dame landed the top quarterback in the market. And if you're Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman, and you have the option to add a guy with this amount of talent and experience into your very inexperienced quarterback room, I think you do it 10 times out of 10 and let the guys battle it out and let the chips fall where they may. Does this mean that one of the younger quarterbacks is likely going to leave? Almost certainly, yes, but that's just the nature of the position. Marcus Freeman's job is to get the best players on the roster every single year to give his team the best chance of winning. And are there potential downsides to adding a transfer quarterback every single year? Of course, but there's also a lot of downsides to playing a quarterback with little to no experience, especially if you don't think that that guy has the talent to lead your program to where you want to get to. And I think that's what Notre Dame is dealing with the guys in the room as it stands for next season. I know I've got a lot more thoughts on this and you guys have a lot of thoughts and questions too. So tomorrow you'll have a chance to share those with me because you're doing another Friday mailbag episode. As always, you can drop your questions in the comments if you're watching on YouTube or send them in on X at Lockdown Irish or send me an Instagram DM at Lockdown Irish Pod. I'm sure that there's going to be a lot more talk about Riley Leonard in the coming days and weeks, and we'll have you covered here at Locked On Irish. All right, let's bring in John. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. And with all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die at ebay.com slash motors. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, I'm here with John Bryce from Football Scoop. John is also a contributor for Irish Illustrated. I'm really excited about this one. By now, we know the news that you broke on Tuesday afternoon that Marcus Freeman decided to part ways with wide receiver coach Chancey Stuckey after just two seasons on the staff. So could you give us some insight into the timeline of this story from your perspective? Yeah, it's it's frankly uh, was shocking yesterday as the news uh, unfolded. It's still shocking today here some 24, 28 hours after the fact, um, especially when you consider Marcus Freeman on Monday posted um, an end of the regular season Zoom in which he kind of voluntarily told reporters that he intended to bring back his entire staff. Um, multiple people have echoed that that was the case, uh, that he intended to do so. Uh, Notre Dame had a couple of two or three wide receivers indicate over the next 24 hours after that that they were going to enter the portal. Um, I think Marcus Freeman continued to look at that element, looked at the um, what maybe some considered a, a lack of production from that group. I think it's far more nuanced than that. Uh, and just, uh, I think, around midday on, on Tuesday, decided to make a change. Uh, it was, again, stunned then, stunned now. I thought Chancey Stuckey did um, 
considering what he inherited and what he had to work with the most of the year, I thought Chuck Chancey Stuckey did a fabulous job with Notre Dame's wide receivers. Yeah, I was really surprised by it, especially considering what Marcus Freeman said in his press conference on Monday, and then to just completely change like that in less than 24 hours is really shocking. Based on what you've been doing over the past day or so, is there any idea, do you have any sense of what led to Freeman's change of heart uh, in such a short amount of time? It's hard to say, you know, um, Marcus issued a statement, but he obviously hasn't faced live questioning about it since he made that decision uh, in talking with a number of other people on campus. Um, I'm not the only one who's stunned. I'll put it that way. There are a lot of people completely floored by this news. Uh, again, I'll, I'll throw this out there that I think is staggering and I need to double check it, but I feel pretty confident about it. Rico Flores led Notre Dame wide receiver core with 405 snaps. Everyone I've talked to, indicates that that's not just the first time that's happened in several years. That's quite possibly the first time a freshman wide receiver has ever led the unit in snaps played over the course of a season. Then you look at Jaden Greathouse beyond that. And then you look at the lacrosse turned football player, Jordan Faison beyond that. You look at how much Chris Tyree developed uh, from a running back to a wide receiver. And, and Tyree's entering the portal because he wants to go to an offense that throws the ball more. Notre Dame threw the ball effectively. 14 times last weekend at Stanford. It's hard to recruit. It's hard to retain uh, if that's going to be your MO at certain positions. Yeah, I get that. And that's sort of the way I looked at it once Chris Tyree entered his name in the transfer portal. I didn't really think much of it. And also, especially for a guy like Chris Tyree who plays the slot, he was going to have to split reps with Jane Greathouse and Jordan Faison anyway. So that move on its own, did not surprise me. But then we started to see some reports that maybe some other guys were looking to enter the transfer portal as well. Maybe by the time this gets released, a couple of guys will have entered their name in the portal. So do you think that this is a result of the decision to move away from Stucky, referring to potential, uh, potentially more turnover in that room? Or do you think that this was going to happen regardless? I think it's probably a, a mix of both, Tyler. I think, um, you know, contrary to some stuff that's out there, um, that was a tight-knit room in a lot of ways. Yes, um, there was more emphasis on developing the younger guys um, because those are the guys that are the, the future of your program, because those are the guys um, that have come in under this new regime, not just Chancey Stuckey, but have been part of Marcus Freeman uh, and his new turn atop the Notre Dame program. So I think it was not as simple as uh, one factor, but multiple factors. But yeah, look, that's a that's a tight-knit group. I've heard from multiple people um, that are very close to members of that wide receiver room since this news broke, and, and they're upset. There are parents of players at other positions on the offensive side of the ball who are upset because of how much respect and admiration they had for Chancey Stuckey. Chancey Stuckey is a, a really fine individual. He's a young coach, but he's continuing to work really hard to become a better coach. He's obviously a very gifted recruiter. And again, um, I referenced this in a couple of different stories um, late in the season for Irish Illustrated. Uh, number one, when you look at the top 50 recruits from ESPN's 2023 class, there were eight wide receivers in that group. And late in the season, outside of Zach Branch, who was having a fabulous year for USC, the other seven of those wide receivers in the middle of November had combined for 30 catches, combined. Seven wide receivers who were in the top 50 combined for 30 catches. Notre Dame obviously has way more production than that from Great House and Rico, and then you throw in Jordan Faison, and none of those guys was a top 50 recruit. Um, so there's that. And then on top of that, 
again, the production uh, that I referenced in another Irish Illustrated, maybe a fifth quarter piece that I had late in the year in terms of just the production from those freshman wide receivers. I, I tabulated what the top 10 teams in the country had gotten one weekend from all of their freshman wide receivers. It might have been the Wake Forest weekend. And the top 10 teams in the country had a combined nine catches from freshman wide receivers. And that was the same weekend I think Notre Dame maybe had 15 catches from freshman wide receivers. My point there is that Chansey did a nice job of developing those guys, and Notre Dame did a good job, Jerry Parker, on down of utilizing those players. It also shows you that the teams that Notre Dame aspires to be are not having to lean on freshmen. Yeah, and to your point about them being the future of the program and Chancey Stuckey investing in them, they also might just be better than all the veterans in that room. Now, part of that is due to injuries, of course. Jane sure. Thomas missed some time with injury. Deion Colsey, Matt Salerno, those are three veterans in that room, and they all missed significant time. So it makes sense to play a bunch of freemen, or a bunch of freshmen. Excuse me. So I, I totally understood that. And let's move away from Chancey Stuckey for a second because – when, when Stuckey was hired, he was very inexperienced. He'd only coached wide receivers for one season at Baylor. And at the time, it felt like Freeman was really prioritizing Stuckey's recruiting ability, and he proved to be very effective at that. But what do you think Freeman is looking for in his next hire when he looks for Stuckey's replacement? You know, uh, obviously, I think he has to be somebody that, that Freeman believes is going to develop guys the way he wants them developed. I think it's got to be somebody who also is a dynamic recruiter. Um, Notre Dame needs that. Notre Dame is well documented to have some obstacles in recruiting. And again, um, but they've got a five star coming in and Enrico and, and Jaden were four stars. Some other guys were very highly rated players, so Chancey did a good job in recruiting. But I think those are two things. And the other thing is going to be fit. Um, it's going to have to be a candidate that fits and meshes well with, with Marcus and his vision for the program, but also the remainder of the offensive staff. Yep, I totally get that. And fit is especially important now. Um, now that Freeman has been around for a little bit, he's not hiring his first staff anymore. He's sort of been around just a little bit. But yours locked into the coaching carousel as anyone out there. Who are some potential candidates uh, you think Marcus Freeman will look into and potentially hire? Well, you know, they, they nearly hired uh, Jamarcus Shepard the last time around, the, the Washington receivers coach. He's one of the hottest names in the industry. He was a finalist for our wide receiver coach of the year last year at Football Scoop, maybe even ended up winning. I can't even remember right now. Um, but he's widely regarded as one of the top wide receivers coaches in the country. Now, it would take a significant financial investment, the likes of which we typically have not seen from Notre Dame because Jamarcus Shepard is among the highest paid receivers coaches in the country at some 800000 maybe north of 800000 with incentives and, and other elements. Um, and that's more than twice – uh, I believe what Chancey Stuckey was making. And so that's, um, he, he said he's going to go after the biggest and the best out there. Um, Jamarcus Shepard is the, the top of that list, um, but he comes with a hefty price tag. Um, Brian Hartline's very comfortable at Ohio State. So I, I don't buy into any of those uh, whispers or those rumblings about that. Um, but it, it's Notre Dame. It's going to be an attractive position. It always is. I think there's a couple of ACC coaches who have already expressed some interest. There's a couple other guys perhaps in the Big Ten doing the same. Uh, so it's pretty early, and I still think that, honestly, they've got to hire a strength and conditioning coach before they hire a wide receivers coach, in my opinion. 
I do agree with you uh, about the strength and conditioning coach. They need to get that figured out ASAP because the transfer portal is coming soon. The clock is ticking. It opens up next Monday, December 4th, and it's going to be hard to recruit a guy out of the transfer portal when you can't even promise them who they're going to develop. And I just want to follow up real quickly. You said that Notre Dame nearly hired Jamarcus Shepard before the Stucky situation. Was that a Notre Dame decision to move away from him, or was that a Shepard decision to pick um, Washington over Notre Dame? Yeah, I can't remember uh, precisely. I think maybe uh, Washington just swooped him and, and swooped in and maybe got him right before Notre Dame could, and again uh, threw a very large contract at him at the time, uh, a contract that's already been elevated since that time. So um, I don't think there was anything negative there. I think it just ended up being a timing issue. Yeah, I know that Tom Loy from 24-7 Sports and Irish Illustrated mentioned him as a potential candidate. I know that's who all the fans want. When you look at what Washington has done in their receiver room with guys like Adunze and McMillan, it makes all the sense of the world why Notre Dame would want a coach like that on their staff. Another name that's been brought up is Mike Brown. He's the associate head coach uh, and wide receivers coach at Wisconsin. There's some connections with Marcus Freeman and Mike Mickens. They both coached together with him at Cincinnati for a couple of years. Um, it's a name that's been thrown around a lot. There's obviously the connections there. What can you tell us about him as a potential candidate for this opening? Yeah, I would I would concur with that. Uh, Tom and I have talked a lot. That's another name that I also have heard. Um, and I can tell you I've got some friends who are high school coaches in the Cincinnati area. They know him from there. They really rave about Mike Brown. Obviously, he's got a comfortability with multiple people on this staff, uh, shared history, even with, with some off-the-field guys like a Chad Bowden, I believe. And so, um, again, when we talk about fit, when we talk about a seamless transition, a guy that the coaches already know and know that they could be comfortable with, He's a name and a potential candidate that makes a lot of sense. All right, I think we've covered the wide receiver situation right now, but you brought up the strength and conditioning coach, that opening right now. Um, Notre Dame's got to make a move fast. Who are some potential candidates for that position? Gosh, that one that one's really tough. Um, I don't even know where to start on potential candidates for that one just because it's such an odd time of the year to be looking. I can tell you uh, I have tremendous respect for, for Duke's strength and conditioning coach, I'm pretty sure he's going to go with Elko to Texas A&M. Uh, the Texas coach is a phenomenal strength and conditioning coach. These are guys that I consider on a par with Matt Bayless. These are guys that I think uh, Notre Dame should make a run at, should vet, should try to make them say no. Uh, Matt Bayless was among the higher paid strength and conditioning coaches in college football. It's my understanding he was around 800000 or so. That's a really that's a really nice, attractive salary for that position. There aren't too many guys uh, at that position that make that kind of salary around college football. Um, and again, Notre Dame's continuing to try to make plans to enhance facilities. I think that helps make it attractive. Uh, and Notre Dame has a bunch of great kids to work with. But it, it's really hard to to speculate on specific candidate names uh, just because, again, it's it's a weird time of year to be trying to find a strength and conditioning coach. Yeah, I guess the one benefit for Notre Dame in this scenario is that they've had plenty of time to figure out, hey, who might be available. So they get to figure out some options, just given the fact that Bayless resigned right before the start of the season. They had a bunch of time to work with there. So with the transfer portal opening up soon, how quickly do you think Marcus Freeman is going to move in hiring replacement, both for the strength and conditioning job and also the wide receiver position? Yeah, we, we've talked about this a lot on, on Football Scoop and our podcast and even on our Irish Illustrated podcast. I think timing is of the essence. It's it's critical. It's an accelerated carousel, and it's, it's an accelerated window. 
uh, not just because the portal opens on Monday, December 4th, but because it's just a 30-day portal this time rather than the previous standard of 45 days that had been you know, the previous three or four years. On top of that, you've got early signing period opening December 20 and running just through December 22. So there are a number of factors there. And you want your guys as they leave after the bowl and get a very slight amount of time home before returning to campus and soon thereafter beginning winter workouts, you want those guys to go home knowing who's going to be their position coach and who's going to be their strength and conditioning coach, uh, especially in a new phenomenon that multiple coaches have talked to me about today is how many coaches or are using third-party people or whomever to try and actively recruit players into the transfer portal. Uh, and you open yourself up to maybe some exposure in that regard much more easily if you've got a little uncertainty at the wide receiver coach's position, if you've got some uncertainty at the strength and conditioning coach position because guys want to know who's going to coach them and who's going to train and develop them. And, and I think Matt Bayless was a factor a year ago and, and the year before that in helping Marcus Freeman and company retain some players. Yeah, I, I totally get it, especially considering how well Notre Dame players have tested at the Combine and at Pro Day since he uh, had been in charge. So it's definitely a big loss for Notre Dame, but it's still going to be a very coveted position. Um, last question on the staff. Right now, I don't expect Marcus Freeman to have a change of heart with any of the other coaches. I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong there, but that doesn't mean that there's not going to be other programs uh, in college or even at the NFL level that are going to be interested in some uh, staff members on Notre Dame. Who do you think are going to be the most coveted assistant coaches on Notre Dame staff right now? You know, I think Al Golden, it starts with Al Golden. Uh, look, he, he's done a fabulous job. I would contend without Al Golden and his work this year, that Notre Dame is probably a four to five loss team. I think Al Golden single-handedly is worth at least two wins this season. I really believe that. Uh, so he's got head coaching experience. He's got NFL coordinating experience. He's entering the third year of his initial three-year contract with Notre Dame. They obviously would like to extend and keep him, um, but he's going to be tough to hang on to because what he's done. Uh, I advocated all year that he should be a Broyles Award uh, candidate. He was. He did not make the semifinalist list. I think that's uh, an absolute sham. And then Dela McCullough would be my number two. He is very much a coveted commodity for, for Notre Dame uh, to hang on to. He is among the best running back coaches in the country. I think he's a future head coach. What he's done to develop that room and also keep guys relatively content when just like every receiver thinks they're always open every running back believes he should always get the ball uh, but he has a a really splendid way of dividing up the chores so to speak he calls it jobs everybody has a job puts a job board in his running back room I think that helps those would be the top two don't sleep on Chris O'Leary he's a fabulous coach he is a really really good coach interviewed with the NFL last year, nearly got a job with the Baltimore Ravens. I would not at all be surprised to see some NFL teams once again come after Chris O'Leary. Yep, it's the nature of the business. It's uh, the one downside of hiring a really good staff is that everyone else also wants a piece of yes. that because you've got so many great guys in that room. All right, we've covered the staff. Oh, I was just gonna add, I just wanted to add one quick thing on, on Mike Mickens too. I can't stress enough uh, in talking with people. Uh, I know for a fact there have been some some top 10 type programs that have been paying extra particular attention to Mike Mickens. Now, obviously, he's very tight with Marcus Freeman. He's very loyal to Marcus Freeman. Um, but, you know, Notre Dame is going to have to pay to keep Mike Mickens. I think Notre Dame is prepared to do that. It's clear Marcus Freeman envisions him as a future defensive coordinator. I think if Al Golden were to get a job, you would see Mike Mickens at least elevated into a co-defensive coordinator position. 
Yeah, when Marcus Freeman sort of unprompted said in a press conference that Mike Mickens is ready to be a defensive coordinator, I don't think that was uh, – I don't think he said that randomly. I think that there was definitely a purpose behind that. We'll be right back with John Bryce, but first I wanted to tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a skill-based, real-money daily fantasy sports game, and you've probably heard me talk about Prize Picks before on this podcast. I have had so much fun playing it during the football season, and now you can play it during basketball season too. You just select two or more players, pick more or less than their projected stats, and place your entry. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. PricePix is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy, and that's just one of the reasons why I think it's the best daily fantasy sports game out there. Go to PricePix.com slash college and use code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. That's PricePix.com slash college code LockedOnCollege for a first deposit match up to $100. PricePix, daily fantasy sports made easy. Shifting to the transfer portal and Notre Dame's approach, last year they acquired more players via the portal than they ever had before, including some really key contributors for this past season. Sam Hartman, Javante Jean-Baptiste, Thomas Harper were all, you know, home runs out of the portal. With that in mind, and with some recent developments about Notre Dame and the relationship with the admissions uh, office and all that, do you think the staff is going to be even more aggressive in the portal this cycle, or do you think they're going to look to add about the same number of players in that like eight to 10 range? Yeah, I don't even know if they'll quite add eight to 10. I think they'll be very aggressive. I think they'll still continue to be very selective. Um, that's something Marcus Freeman spoke about during his Monday press conference, that there's some uh, continuing, evolving, growing co- cooperation uh, on campus in terms of uh, expediting the transfer process so that they have a clear picture of guys they can and cannot get into school. Uh, there's been a you know a little bit of movement there since Marcus took over, a little more flexibility to try to not only take graduate students but also be able to take first-year players as well, guys that can still kind of come into Notre Dame as freshmen and basically enroll as freshmen and, and start clean at Notre Dame. Um, obviously, they're in the market for a quarterback. I think they've got some positive momentum in that regard right now, it's kind of a, an evolving development from over the weekend where things maybe didn't look as positive. Now they're looking a lot more positive for Notre Dame. Uh, they're in the market for, I think, one to two wide receivers, um, maybe an offensive lineman. Certainly they would like somebody on the defensive line, um, but they're not going to go wholesale like a TCU or a Colorado or a Nebraska or Virginia Tech and bring in you know, 12, 15 or more guys out of the portal. That's just not going to be their MO. And they want to be known as a program that recruits well um, and develops guys well. Yeah, I think the term aggressive in the transfer portal means different things to different programs. So with Notre Dame, I think it has more to do with their selective approach than the quantity of players that they try to add via the portal. All right, I got to ask you about the quarterback. You said it wasn't looking good, and now the situation is evolving and it looks a lot better. I know I've heard Will Howard's name thrown out there, the former Kansas State quarterback, Um, Riley Leonard, the Duke quarterback. I'm not even sure if he's entered his name in the transfer portal at the time of this recording, but his name has been thrown around there a lot which transfer quarterback do you think will ultimately land with Notre Dame I think that Riley Leonard will be the top choice presuming that he makes it official and goes into the transfer portal and I think that's widely the expectation again uh, unless you're a graduate transfer and ready to do it right now you can't enter your name officially until Monday Uh, I think Monday will be a key day to to gain clear picture of where Notre Dame goes with that but um, I don't think there's any question that that's the preference. Okay. 
That's very interesting. Let's finish with the fun one. Uh, you've been doing this a long time. You've covered a lot of different stories and a lot of different areas of the country. Uh, what are some of the craziest stories that you've covered during your time as a reporter? Gosh, um, I was on the University of Tennessee beat the night it broke that uh, Lane Kiffin was leaving to take the USC job. And, um, you know, on the HBO documentary of all of that, you see me chasing Lane Kiffin down the hallway, uh, trying to get a comment from him as he left and, and finally getting a comment from him. And, and me and my colleague, Brent Hubbs, literally uh, stayed in the football complex and staked Lane Kiffin out and got a one-on-one -on -one interview with him at like 4.30 in the morning as he was finally able to leave. He had to be escorted out of the building by state troopers because people had been rioting on the streets outside of the football building. They've been burning mattresses, um, all sorts of crazy things. Uh, so you've got that. There have been a number of uh, incredible things. Link Jarrett and the Notre Dame baseball run to the College World Series is absolutely uh, one of the most – enjoyable, fabulous things I've ever seen. Uh, the way that team overcame so many obstacles, um, built-in obstacles. You know, they don't have the facilities that so many other people do. They don't have warm enough weather to be able to do as much practice as other people. They're splitting time uh, inside the facility at Notre Dame with the track team and the soccer team and, and cross country and people running around the track while they've got nets suspended from the ceiling and hitting baseballs. Uh, so those are a couple of quick ones. I've been fortunate enough to cover games at the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Cotton Bowl. Those are certainly memorable. Uh, I've been on the sidelines at LSU and Auburn for some big games. I uh, was fortunate to be a sideline reporter for a couple of years. That's the best job I've ever had in my life. I would go back to being only a sideline reporter uh, if I could. Uh, it's, it's super enjoyable. It takes me back to my roots when I started out covering high school football and just walk the sidelines because I felt it helped you tell a better story. Um, so those are some of the ones that in Brian Kelly, look, we were at football scoop. We were the first to report that uh, LSU had significantly targeted Brian Kelly and were working to hire him two years ago. Um, and that was absolute madness. That was chaos. That was quite literally Tyler. I slept with my phone under my pillow uh, for, two, <laughs> for two weeks solid as that unfolded. That was a crazy time. I can't imagine anyone who was on the beat or covering that story. got a whole lot of sleep that entire week. And it came together rather quickly, right? When I guess since we're on the topic, when did you first hear that LSU was looking at Brian Kelly? Did you know a little bit before the Stanford game? Yeah, I started hearing it Friday, Friday evening. Um, I think that Brian's agent and Jack Swarbrick had had what previously had been some very courteous and friendly discussions. And at some point in time, they took a real turn uh, for whatever reason. And I had some people telling me like, hey, I think Brian Kelly, uh, LSU is interested. I sort of dismissed it. Um, but then that Sunday afternoon after the game, uh, my boss, Scott Roussel, and I started both hearing it from more and more people. And, and we weren't sharing sources. We had independent sources that were telling us. And he was hearing it very strongly from some other people in the SEC. And then as Monday morning unfolded, and Brian Kelly obviously had ostensibly stayed in California to recruit for Notre Dame, but there were weird phone calls taking place. And that's sort of when it blew up. And I think we reported that story maybe – Eastern time, Monday afternoon, but we'd been on it since way early Monday morning and making phone calls. We'd talked to people on Notre Dame's campus. We knew there was real legitimacy to it. We talked to people on that coaching staff. And um, I still remember one of the most significant quotes right before we ran our story was somebody on campus called me and said, hey, the smoke is real. It's real. And uh, once I knew that, my boss had his sources. We felt comfortable with rolling with it. Well, for the sake of Notre Dame fans, let's hope it's a uh, much 
a much more calm next few weeks during this time of year. But look, I know this is arguably the busiest time of the year for you, so I really appreciate the time. Before we let you go, please tell the people where they can find you and uh, all the great work that you do. Well, I appreciate it, Tyler. It was fun to visit. I'll be happy to join you again sometime. Hopefully my my video won't be as laggy. Um, <laughs> you can always find our work at footballscoop.com, irishillustrated.com. We have podcasts that we do with both of those websites and then on Twitter at John D. Bryce one All right, man. Best of luck to you during silly season. Take care. Thanks, Tyler. Take care, buddy. That's going to do it for this episode. Thanks again for making Locked On Irish your first listen of the day. As I said earlier, we've got another mailbag episode tomorrow. Get your questions in the comments on X, Instagram, wherever. And if you haven't already, please subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you guys tomorrow.